We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Oftentimes in the church, um, we call the order of worship the liturgy. It's a fancy word for just uh, how things go, the, the order of things. And if we're not careful, sometimes we can uh, sing, we can open up our Bibles, and we can go through the routine. And uh, let's just have a time of uh, uh, unplanned, uh, open prayer, okay? Uh, prayer is, is, uh, is so important to God. Uh, so much so that he said, when you come together, um, I want my house to be a house of prayer. Um, so we just sang, here I am to say that you're my God. Uh, let's just pause and, uh, and, and let's, let's listen to the church of God, brothers and sisters of Christ. And let's proclaim in a, just a few short sentences how we are here to bow down to say that you are my God. And then I'll close this in prayer, okay? Let's pray together. Thank you. 
And so, Father, we, we come now, uh, we acknowledge that you have spoken, and it is through your word, and we want to hear from you. And uh, where, wherever we've been this past week, we're here now, and we, we won't get these moments back. And so we're asking that you would use and redeem this time for for your glory, that our hearts would be transformed to love you more, to love people, to serve your bride. Lord, we pray that lost would come to know you. And we are humbled and grateful that you choose to use us, um, your servants, to advance your kingdom and your purposes. And uh, Lord, I, I pray especially for our students this morning and teachers. I just know that they are experiencing tremendous challenges with school and, and with COVID and with, with just breathing through masks all day. And Lord, would you strengthen them and encourage them? Um, Lord, would you brighten their eyes as they smile through their masks? And, and that would you... Remind them of the great truths that, that your hand guides them. Your right hand holds them fast, as it says in Psalm 139. So we love you. And we're excited to see what you're going to do in the next moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, let's start our time together. Um, one quick note. Um, hey, if... Ladies, if you can't make it uh, that evening or, or that um, um, Friday and Saturday in October to the workshop um, this Wednesday night, uh, it's okay. You can still come and uh, get a taste of what they're going to be going through. And we'll dive deeply into the scriptures. We're going to be studying how to study epistles, um, how to study letters in the scriptures. And how to um, dissect and navigate and analyze uh, and cut the word with, with that type of thing. So it is a ladies' train training. And on a personal note, um, I will be teaching that training. How about that? Isn't that great? Um, I have four daughters. I have a wife. And so uh, this, is, this has been like how the Lord has laid things before me, you know. And so I'm going to do my best, ladies, uh, to, to present to you the Word of God, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. So come on over on Wednesday night. It'll be me and the ladies. <laughs> Open up your Bibles to the book of Romans. Here we go. Last week, we met the Apostle Paul, the man, and we heard about the message, and then we uh, talked about the mission, the mission of every believer. And today, we are starting with... Uh, chapter 1, Ro uh, Romans 1, 
And we'll go verses 8 through 17. And uh, we're going to jump right into it. I want to show you something right off the bat. Look together with me at verse 8 and verse 17. Okay, the beginning and end of our text this morning together. Verse 8 says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith. If you got a pen, go ahead and circle the word faith, okay? And then if you're looking in your Bibles, let your eyes scroll all the way down to verse 17, and I'll read the very last part of it for you. The Apostle Paul says, For the righteous shall live by faith. If you got a pen, circle the phrase, live by faith. Okay? All right, so now look up here. This passage this morning is about living by faith. This is the great summary or description of the Christian life. How to walk with God or to live by faith with and unto the Lord. Unto the Lord. And um, just to be honest, sometimes it's a little bit hard to understand, isn't it? It's a little bit hard to navigate through those waters of how to walk by faith, not by sight. And you, it's this imagery where it's things that are unseen. You can't grab onto it all the time. How to live by faith. Does that mean I'm just supposed to like walk around with my hands up and my eyes closed and, and like hope that I, I, I like don't screw things up in life, that I don't just mess up, you know, mess up things and Hopefully I just please God with my... It's just tricky, right? Especially like when you're late and the dog's barking and like the grass needs mowing and the boss is calling and the kids are bleeding and the fridge is leaking and your back is hurting and it's like... Sounds like a country song, doesn't it? It's like this whole thing, living by faith, is tough. How do I do it? So the title today is Live by Faith. If you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to do so, write down Live by Faith in this section of your Scripture. If you want to grab a uh, Romans journal, there in the back. I'm going to read verses 8 through 10 to start, off, to start us off. And there's different phrases that will lead or guide our time today. The first one is this, that a life of faith is a life of prayer. The Apostle Paul, he's going to help us understand what it means to live by faith in the beginning parts of these letters. First, he's going to put forth a model of his own life. And then he's going to give us the mode or the means of how to do it. So the first one that we're going to dive into is a life of faith is a life of prayer. Here's verse 8 through 10. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Okay, so let's lift up our eyes and let's, let's talk about these verses for a second. Isn't that beautiful? Like Paul right away models this life of prayer 
by being grateful. Okay, how do you live by faith? We're seeing that initially it's a big, a big part of it is prayer. And a big part of prayer is being grateful unto God. Now in life, there's a lot of things that we can complain about, isn't there? But Paul is a great pace setter in this area of gratitude. So even as you think through how to walk with God by faith today, a great thing to do would be like to grab a buddy, to grab your spouse, to grab your kids, and like after lunch, like walk off your lunch by going on a walk and holding hands and going, hey, let's just spend some time being grateful unto the Lord. You start, I'll close, and say a bunch of things that are like blessings in our life. Let's thank the Lord together out loud. Okay? That would be a great activity of, of walking with God by faith, by proclaiming gratitude unto Him. Okay? That's just like immediate application. But let's dive a little bit deeper because He is very specific with His gratitude. Okay? Watch this. In verse 8, the second half, He is grateful because... Your faith is proclaimed in all the world. So he's not just grateful for like all of the stuff that he has or like the nice meal that he had, although those are good things to be grateful about. He's particularly grateful for a church, for a body of people that he hasn't even seen or visited yet. And he's grateful for their faith because they are walking by faith and as a result, guess what? The whole world is hearing about Jesus. He's grateful because when people walk by faith, news gets out. So he prays for the people in Rome and he's grateful for their faith. How does he describe even further his prayers for the people in this church in Rome. So he's grateful for them. But how does he talk about it? Let's look at the last part of verse 9 together. He uses the word mention. I mention you in my prayers. And honestly, I mean, that's not, a, that's not so awesome at first to hear as modern day listeners. Like you might react like this upon first hearing. Oh, thanks a lot. You mentioned me in my prayers. Oh, that's nice. Like, come on, Paul. Really? Right? But like, look at it a little bit deeper with me. He says that he mentions us without ceasing. He mentions the church of Rome without ceasing. And then he also says that he always does it. Look at this brother. He is always without ceasing mentioning people to God in his prayer life. I mean, that's a little better, right? Than just like, oh, come on, Paul, you mentioned me? Give me a little bit more than that. Throw me a bone here, right? What kind of man is this? Like, he hasn't even been to Rome, and without ceasing, he's praying for a people that he can't even see, that he doesn't interact with on a daily basis. Like, what fuels this man? Like, what is behind, what is going on with this guy? Hold those questions. We'll get there, okay? 
But isn't that challenging for us as a church? Like, if a big part of praying and walking, walking by faith is praying to God and being grateful and praying for other people, how are you doing in your prayer life with those things in mind? Like, let me ask you a question. If God answered all your prayers from this week, what would you see happen? Would people's lives be changed? Would families be restored? Would abortion be abolished? Would peace on the streets and peace in the hearts of people in Louisville occur? Would people be saved as a result of you praying for them? Joshua in the Old Testament prayed and God stopped the sun. Elijah prayed and the rain was held back. So we know that God responds when his people pray. What will God do as a result of your prayers? Let's go to the next one, okay? Here we go. A life of faith is a life of loving people. All right, so we're taking a piece of the pie and we say, okay, walking or living by faith isn't so ambiguous. It has to do with prayer. It also has to do with loving people. It's not this isolated event that happens only within the confines of your heart. It extends to the people of God and to the lost. Let's read verses 11 through 13. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Verse 12. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you, as well as among the rest of the Gentiles. All right, so no doubt about it, this guy loved people. And we're asking again, oh, what on earth fueled this guy's passion? Not only for prayer, but now for people. Hold on to that. But just look at 11 with me. Here's a couple phrases. I'm going to read them. For I long to see you. Look at the end of verse 13. I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented. All right, let's just look at the character of Paul for a second. Why? Like, is this guy just super needy? You know, does he just need people around him all the time? And you would expect me, by the way, my tone, and by the way, I'm like pitching out that question, that, that the answer would be like, but with all boldness and strength. Ready? Here's the answer. Yes! Yes! Absolutely! Absolutely. We as a people are relational creatures. We need each other. We need relationships. Like, let this text just jump off the page and go in your hearts. We need people. I know quarantine was good in some respects. Like, we liked quarantine in some, sometimes. Like, the Newman family loved the fact that we weren't paying for a lot of gas. 
right? We saved a ton of gas money, and we love the fact that we weren't driving all over the place, right? We love that part of quarantine. But man, the people of God crave people. We need each other. And, and, and Paul needs people. Like, I need you. And you need me. We need, we need each other. And that's how we were created, how we were made. Look at the humility that Paul shows in verse 12. He's really clear with it. That is, that we, first person plural, we may mutually be encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. That's what happens when we get together. And this is such a great encouragement to us all. All these verses in this passage can be a sermon in and of themselves, but we're, I feel like we're flying through them. Look at verse 11 with me again, okay? Here's some of the motive or reason of Paul's wanting to come, okay? It's totally unselfish. It's totally godly, totally glorifying to the Lord. He says, I want to come to you that I may, do you see me in verse 11? That I may impart, ESV says, to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. Okay? So this is not just a selfish, I need you, I need it. But he wants to come to, the, to their tables to give. So he's not needy in the sense that he just wants to receive, 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 and be asked questions. He wants to give to them. What does he want to give? He uses the word impart, which is so similar to how he uses it in 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Don't go there. Let me just quote it for you. Memorize this verse if you need to, okay? If you want to. If you, you, actually, you must, okay? Paul says, we loved you so much that we imparted, there's the word, we imparted not only the gospel of God to you, but our very lives as well. There's that word, that verb, impart. Paul wants to come to the people so that he may not impart a spiritual gift in the sense that we think of spiritual gifts. That, that's not what the verse means. Because Paul doesn't have the authority to impart a spiritual gift. Only the Holy Spirit does that, right? So he's, he's not going to do that. He wants to come to impart the spiritual gift of the Word of God and his life. He wants to exercise his spiritual gift of teaching to them. And when we get together, spiritual gifts begin to function. It's beautiful. And so he wants to take part in his spiritual gift and give it to them. Isn't that beautiful? That's what he wants to do. And great joy comes about from it. He wants to teach them the gospel. And then he wants to help them apply the gospel to their life. It's not all that tricky. It's actually very simple. It's, that's what we do as Christians. Amen? That's discipleship. That's church life. Let's do this. But watch this. Watch this. Watch how Paul is also a master shepherd. Watch how he is the ultimate like relational guide to these people. Okay? In verse 13, he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, 
that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been prevented, in order that I may reap some harvest among you as well, uh, among you as well as some, as among the rest of the Gentiles. Sorry, a little trouble reading this morning, okay? All right, so kids, you know when it's time for like your birthday party, you start writing up a list, okay? And uh, you're thinking through, okay, if I invite, invite Johnny, will Alex be, will, will it be weird if Alex comes too? Or ladies, if you're, maybe guys don't think like that. So I'll use word girl names. Like if I invite Shannon, will Alexandria get jealous? Or will, what will Stephanie, how will Stephanie do if Alexandria and Shannon are there, Right. And so you start thinking. And moms, you know what I'm talking about. Give me a little amen, brother. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you start going, you start thinking through mixed company. And you go, mm, I don't know if that'll work, right? Husbands and wives, you know what I'm talking about. The husbands are like, yeah, let's invite this family and this family over for dinner. <laughs> and the mom, the wife goes, oh, honey, you have no idea what that will do. And you're like, I don't. What do you mean? I just, we're just, we'll just eat together, right? And and so you start. It's just not the right mixture. And here's what Paul does. Okay, he's like, I want to come to you. This letter is to the church of Rome. He's talking to Christians. I want to come to you, Christians, and we're gonna have the best time. We're gonna hang out, and also we're gonna invite non-Christians, and it's gonna be weird. Like we're like. You are not going to feel all that comfortable all the time. But this is how the kingdom of God advances. So we're going to come. We're going to hang out. But here's what we're going to do. We're not going to go like this. Horse blinders. We're actually going to go like this. Hey, let's reach out together. And let's talk to non-Christians about our, we, our faith in Jesus Christ. And let's see if some believe. Won't that be so fun? And they're like, their whole paradigm is shifting because they were going, sweet, Apostle Paul's going to, oh, we, oh, this is, you have more things in mind than just hanging out with. Let that apply to your calendars this month. Let that apply in your conversations when you're thinking about hosting. Let that apply to your community groups when you meet. And you thought it was going to be this couple, this couple, and this couple. But then you're like, whoa, they brought a friend. Okay, if I say this now, I was thinking, okay, is, how are they going to embrace the mess and the muddiness? Welcome to advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? You with me? Let this verse, like, Really challenge and encourage and equip you. All right, let's transition. Here we go. So, so far we're seeing living by faith means prayer. Yes. Living by faith means loving people, the church, but also non-Christians. That's also walking or living by faith. But check this out, okay? His love for people is so great that it comes down from the clouds. It's not this ambiguous general love. He actually loves them so much that he gets very specific. 
He loves them so much that He wants to preach the Gospel to them. Let me read it. Here's the, the, the next point. It says, living by faith preaches the Gospel. 14. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. 15. So I am eager to preach the Gospel to you also who are in Rome. How about that for a birthday party list? Hey, Mom, I was thinking I'd invite Shannon and a barbarian. <laughs> right? And then the mom goes, Oh, honey. Oh, yeah, let's talk to Dad about that one. She wants... She's, hey, hey, sweetheart, she said she wanted to invite foolish people to her birthday party. And you're like, why, sweetheart? All right, let's have a family meeting. Hey, eight-year-old, why would you want to invite barbarians and foolish people to your birthday party? And listen to her answer. Ready? Well, mom and dad, I'm under obligation. <laughs> right? Just go with me, okay? I'm under obligation, mom and dad. And immediately, you're, you begin to cringe. You're like, Oh, no, 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 honey. We don't use that language. We're free. And you could be, either be like, we're Americans. We're, you're free to choose anyone to invite to your birthday party. <laughs> right? Or like you start, you, you don't feel great about the language that she's using. And this is where the analogy breaks down, right? And you're like, I could try to milk it spiritually, but let's just go to the direct meaning of Scripture. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Paul is saying in this passage that he is in debt to people. Reason. He is in debt to Jesus Christ because Jesus paid his debt. And so this isn't comfortable to hear all the time. But he is saying, because Jesus has paid my debt of my sins, then I am obligated. I am in debt to now pass that gift on to others. Even though I don't have the authority to pass it, I'm called, I'm commissioned to pass the message of the Gospel along to all peoples. And it doesn't matter what they look like, who they are, where they're from, I'm obligated to them. And, and this is, I'm acknowledging this, this is a difficult word to hear to the modern day ear. Obligation. Uh, it lacks all attractiveness. Right? If you hear it, obligation. You immediately go in your mind and you could jot it down in your margin. What did I think first when I heard that scripture today? Maybe this. No passion. No desire. I don't want to live like that. Right? And so this, is, this begins the, the, the wrestling of the pastor of feeding the flock of God. Lord, how can these sheep hear obligation and receive it rightly? Lord, I don't want them to receive my meaning. I want them to receive your. How can they understand this? What do you mean, God? Right? 
And so you don't begin to play with words or manipulate them, but you begin to supplement the idea and, and broaden the base of definition. What is obligation meaning according to Paul, according to the New Testament, all of Scripture? Okay? Because he is saying, and here's one insert of a word, right? What he's saying is, I'm compelled. I have got to go to these people. Okay? So you could say, like, obligation, dash, compelled. Okay? I, I, I must. Right? And must is a, is a feeling or a description of obligation. And it has this, this strong sense of calling. If you are compelled, you are called. Where you have this notion that you, you, you just you have to. Every man, every woman, like they are compelled. Or you could say, I'm resolved. I'm decided upon with an attitude of passion that comes from my heart. I've got a fire in my eyes. I'm compelled to go. Certainly, Paul is compelled. Yes? Um, but listen. So your response, if, if you hear compelled and you go, well, I'm just not that passionate of a person. I'm not like that. I'm not like, and you fill in the blank. I'm not, I'm not an emotional person like that. And then here's how our minds and hearts can deceive ourselves. We go like this. That's for someone. Come on, say it. It's for someone else. That's for someone else who is compelled or compassionate to do like that. But my, and then here's how we trick ourselves even. We use Christianese. But my spiritual gift is, oh, rats. I know. That's how we think though, isn't it? Oh, And so we can't receive compelled as only certain people who are passionate do this. Let's try, let's try a, a different slant or a different angle on understanding obligation. Obligation means we have a sense of duty. Like a good soldier, duty is military language. That resonates with many of us. Many of us who are task-driven, who need clarity on things. Just tell me what to do. I'm already surrendered and I will do it. But then we're like, duty. What are my first thoughts? Duty, dash, cold, lifeless. And then we get this sense of like, duty's not even filled with the Spirit or led by the Spirit. It's this notion of, I gotta, instead of I get to, right? Obligation. Compel. Duty. All words, brothers and sisters, that are not comfortable. And if, if you remember how Paul introduced himself in this letter, he said, Paul, a slave. If you are not a slave to Jesus, then these words will be uncomfortable to you. If you are still living 
with the notion that your life is in fact your own instead of, my life's not my own. It was bought with a price. And it doesn't matter what word you use, you are not surrendered under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let that ring true in your life this week. Lord, whatever, I am obligated, I am your servant. I must. And so help me. Greeks, barbarians, republicans, democrats, both to the church of Jesus Christ and to those who don't know him, Lord, use me in whatever context you want me to, in whatever people group. My life is not your own. I want people to know Christ and to grow in him. Are you with me? Yeah. All right. Here's where it gets rich. Here's where we start round and third. Okay? Because, and here's my prayer. I, I pray that your hearts would start burning at this point. And for those of you who are with us in Luke, you know what I'm talking about. Okay? By highlighting Paul up to this point and looking at his life patterns, you could have received this text and this sermon in one of two ways so far. Ready? I'm such a failure. Response number one. I stink at this Christian life. Prayer. <laughs> People. I'm <laughs> Preaching the God, I am failing on all fronts. You could have received this so far like that. Response one. Response number two. Response number two. You could have gone like this so far. Oh. You could have whipped out your calendar. I am going to work harder this week to do exactly what it says. And I'm going to be better than everyone else. That would be the moralist response. Oh, I can be like that, and I will. And I've already slotted out all the times and all the things that I need to change in my life. And I'm going to do it. <laughs> and up to this point, if you've responded number one or number two, number one or number two, number one, number two, if you've responded that way, both are wrong responses. They're both wrong so the question comes again, how does it work to live by faith? And Paul has put forth the model of what it looks like, and now he's going to show us the means of how to do it. Let's let Paul, by the oversight of the Spirit, shepherd our hearts now to answer this question. Are you ready? Here's the last point. The gospel. Are you ready? The gospel provides the power for you to live by faith. I'll read it again. Here we go. The gospel provides the power for you to live by faith. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it, the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation 
to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the Gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. All right, I'd like to explain those two verses this way. I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit. I wrote a poem for you this Sunday, okay? And I, I, I'm, I'm serious, okay? I hope it helps you understand these words. It's just using different ways of communicating so that the Word of God would, would be planted in your hearts, okay? And that you would delight in the Gospel. When you're hearing this poem, all right, I wrote it last week. I, I want you to hear of the progress or the, the basic message, how the Gospel comes and it initiates. It starts faith, from faith, which theologians would say, that is when God justifies you. That is when you're born again. You become a Christian from faith. But also the Gospel doesn't say, okay, great, you're a Christian now. See you in heaven. You're on your own. The Gospel also helps you by Christ's righteousness. And we're, we're going to figure that out. And that's where we're going. To help you live by faith. The Gospel helps you for faith this afternoon, this evening, Monday through Friday at work. It helps you in life, in godliness. And so here's my poem. Fellas, eat your heart out because poetry is masculine. All right? You got me? Here we go. I don't think you got me. I, I just didn't really. It's taken some time to sit. I'll, I'll be patient with you. Okay. All right, here we go. Long ago, this is called the Romans poem. Pretty creative, huh? Sensitive. Long ago, before time, before creation, before mankind, there was God, eternal and holy, no blemish to find. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, content and perfect. God spoke into existence. The darkness lit the decision to create in order to bring worship. The earth and stars and man He made, He declared it good. And on the sixth day, man and woman and serpent on the scene, sin entered the world, distorting me. An image, an image bearer still true, yet depraved, in need of right standing, my condition grave. How is this to be done? What was torn apart now be made one? A righteous God, a sinful man? How can we be made right again? Long ago, before time, before creation, before mankind, within the council of the Trinity you'll find, the righteous Son said, Father, I'll go and you stay, for this will put your glory on display. For there is no one who is righteous, no, not one. That is why you must send your Son to absorb the wrath and fulfill the commands. I alone can meet the righteous demands. And so with joy set before Him, the cross He bore, His body broken, the curtain tore, He rose from the grave and ascended to the sky and granted us faith by grace to bring us nigh. 
Yet again, how is this done? Can a righteous God even accept one? One sinner would taint His holy place, His heavens, His throne, His character, His face. His plan from long ago is greater than. He imparts righteousness that we may stand confident in the throne of the grace of Christ. In Him, our righteousness is found, our light. We became righteous through Jesus making it okay to stand before God with Jesus in our way. But so too, His righteousness is our daily power to fulfill the law, to obey by faith. No longer should we cower. Granted to us, we now have Christ. No longer we live, but by faith His might, which so powerfully works in us each day by the Spirit, how we bring glory to Him this way. So how do we do that again, church? How do we live by faith? So hopefully you heard it in there. We became righteous through faith. Uh, forgive me, through Jesus making it okay to stand before God with Jesus in our way. When we placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, from faith, Paul says, you became righteous. He granted you faith, and you became righteous before God. God declared you, forensic term, bam, 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 not guilty. This is salvation. But so too, His righteousness, our daily power to fulfill the law, to obey by faith, no longer should we cower. This would be the for faith part. From faith, for faith. This is what we would say is sanctification, growing in Christ. And this is not of our own strength, not of our own righteousness, but Jesus' righteousness in us. Theologians call it imputed righteousness. He gave it to us. He gave us the power that we may live according to His purposes. To follow Him and do what is right. If you want a quick way to think about it. Righteousness. My righteousness, doing what is right. So how do I live by faith? This whole message could be summed up like this. You rely on Christ's righteous power in you. I'll, I'll say it again so you can write it down. How do I live by faith? You rely on Christ's righteous power in you. <laughs> and still, I know, this is how I would respond if I was listening to that. You're like... I still don't get it. It's tough. What do you mean? Right? It's too theological still. Okay? So let's, let's try to like boil it down. That's why I think Paul started with sharing a model for us first. He started praying. He started sharing how he loves people, the, the church and the lost. How he, how he, he wants to preach the gospel. And if you felt like a failure so far, that's okay. But here's the means of how to accomplish the law of God. The, those directives towards us in Scripture. In prayer with people and preaching. Ready? You pray like this. Lord, I, I want to pray more. 
Would you give me the desire to pray? And here's how, how we can think about it theologically. Your son prayed. Your son Jesus prayed. And he was righteous. And now I have him living in me. Would you continue to grant me? Would you grow that power that is at work within me to help me pray more for people, the lost, the church? Would you help me do it? Would you help me mention people in my prayers without ceasing? I don't know how to do that, but, but you're going to help me. And I'm not going to be ashamed about it. That's the verbiage of Paul in this passage. Lord, I, I want to love people, but sometimes they're really weird. And I don't like them. And I don't like my community group. And I don't like that guy. Lord, would you give me a desire to love him? Because I know you want me to. But Lord, thank you also that you've given me the power to love the unlovable. And so I'm leaning on your righteousness that is at work in me. Jesus loved. And so Jesus, would you help me love like you? What about preach the gospel? Lord, man, I don't feel like I do that well. Instead of feeling defeated, we can lean on Christ's righteousness and say, Lord, you, you preached the gospel perfectly. You lived it and spoke it perfectly. And now... You are indwelling me with your spirit. Would you, by your power, help me to preach this week? And that is living by faith. You're trusting Jesus' righteousness in your life. So let me leave you with two prayers, okay? The first one. We're calling it the 2 Corinthians 5.21 Prayer of Repentance. Don't try to put that on a logo. It's too long. Okay? Here we go. Which this one says, For our sake He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. See how that fits right in there? And so you can pray like this. Hey Christ, You became, and then we just put a blank, you became, you named that sin. Jesus, when you died on the cross, you became lust. You became depression. You became, and you fill in the blank, selfishness. You became abuse. You became whatever is going on in your, whatever sin you are committing you can go to Him and say, you became that sin and you made me right with God. Thank you. I repent of my sin and I, and I once again stand on the promise that I've been made righteous through Jesus. Jesus, You were righteous. You did the right thing and now You live in me. I'm going to live by faith and trust Your power that works in me. That's how we can pray. So name those sins. Be specific with God and repent of them by using this verse, this prayer of repentance. And then, second prayer. Romans 1, 16 and 17. Unashamed prayer. There's a blank in there. I'll read it for you. Here we go. 
I now have Christ's righteousness. God, I'm leaning on His power to help me live by faith here. Here this week. Whatever you're feeling insecure about. Questions you may have. Lord, I'm going to lean on Your righteous power that is at work within me. And I'm going to trust You to do the right thing here. And it's scary. It's scary, but this is walking and loving God by knowing Him and following His commandments by living by faith. And Paul says that the righteous shall live by faith. Praise God that He grants us His righteousness to do the very thing that He commands. Amen? Let's pray together. We are so grateful, God, for your righteousness through Christ that works in us. Lord, I pray that you would take this passage and that you would swell the hearts of your people that they may go out well-fed and equipped to walk with you this week through prayer, through loving people, through preaching the Gospel. Lord, that they would, in the quietness of their home, while they're doing the laundry, while they're cooking lunch, while they're working hard, while they're you know, folding whatever, Lord, that they would go to You and claim that You have forgiven their sins, that they would confess their sins and be made right with You. And Lord, that they would walk with You because of the power of Your righteousness within them. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.